Good evening, everybody. Happy Tuesday, November 8th, Election Day. Hopefully you've gotten out and voted, done your civic duty. Back, as always, uh, myself, NG Triplet, along with co-host T-Mac uh, at TM Swish. You already know, hitting off T's and draining threes. Uh, with you for another edition of the Mental Dimes Bump and Run Coverage Podcast. Got a lot of stuff to get to, and we'll, of course, get to the uh playoff committee's rankings here shortly as they they start to uh, give us that. Uh, get some housekeeping out of the way. Check us out at mentaldimes.com. If you want to interact with us on Twitter, hit us up at mentaldimescfb for college football. You can contact me directly on Twitter at ngtriplet. He is at tmswish. Um, and you can get our main Twitter account at Mental Dimes. So feel free to reach out to us, talk to us about all things college football. If you like our opinions, don't like them, um, go ahead. Um, looks like the uh, picks are just about in. Um, so I'll run down kind of starting uh, with, what do we got here? I'll start with number 10 and we'll fill in the bracket and we'll get your thoughts before we get to the news. But this is the latest and greatest in college football. So number 10, Clemson Tigers dropping from last week, uh, sitting at number four. Number nine is Alabama after their uh, loss to uh, LSU. Number eight is USC. So they are making a move there. We are just awaiting five, six, and seven. Um, here we go. Number uh, five is Tennessee. Eight and one Tennessee drops from number one to number five. Number four Maybe a surprise to some people, undefeated TCU, 9-0. Number three, undefeated Michigan, 3-0. Number two, undefeated Ohio State, 9-0. And number one should be no surprise to anyone, 9-0 Georgia after uh, defeating uh, Tennessee. Still waiting to see who they put at six and seven. Um, other notables uh, in the top 15, 15 is North Carolina, 14 is Penn State, 13 is Utah, 12 is UCLA, and 11 is Ole Miss. Um, so that is the newest uh, college football uh, top 25, college football playoff top 25. And we're just waiting to see what the order for six and seven is. Um, what are your initial thoughts on uh, the top four anyway? Uh, no, I think they got the top four right. I, I, I really like it. Um, I will say this and we'll talk about it. Uh, here later in the show. I still think Tennessee is a top four team. Um, I think Tennessee got just caught on their heels a little bit road game at Georgia. So, uh, and, and like we said this all year, you know, you got to think uh, one of those big 10 teams are a good chance they're going to fall out. And if Tennessee runs the table, Tennessee got the loss out of the way. I know they didn't want to do it, but, but I think they got the top four right for this week. Yeah. You know, I was talking to someone earlier in the week on uh, Twitter and because I'd been advocating for TCU, but my issue wasn't that TCU needed to necessarily be in the top four. Uh, they needed to be, I thought, in the top five to six. Uh, obviously, Tennessee, you know, they play in the SEC. It's a tough schedule. I'm with you. They're definitely a, a top tier team. Uh, we know that Ohio State and Michigan are going to take care of themselves. So as long as TCU is in striking distance, if they remain undefeated, I was good with that. Yeah. Uh, coming in at six is Oregon at eight and one, and seven is LSU at seven and two. Um, I thought they would be flip flopped right there. Yeah, I think uh, man, Oregon is is really playing some good ball right now and, and flying under the radar. So anyway, I, I I think the top five is definitely 
uh, they've got the right teams in the top five. I, I would agree that you could flip-flop uh, TCU maybe with uh, Tennessee. Not a knock on TCU, but maybe just the, the level of, of competition that they've been playing. I'd be fine with that because I think TCU is going to have their shot. They run the table, as we said. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan still have to play, um, so they'll, they'll get their opportunity to show it on the field. But they're sitting at top four right now. What a great place to be. They've just got to continue uh, winning and uh, making that happen. So let's talk a little bit. We'll get to the news in a little bit as long as we're on this. Uh, the the big game of the week, Georgia, uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, I, I thought Tennessee was going to win that. You mentioned in the intro that you thought that maybe Tennessee uh, got caught on their heels, maybe feeling pretty good about uh, rank, uh, being ranked number one. Uh, you watched that game, I'm sure. What happened in your mind? What, what was the, uh, you know, how did that unfold? No, it was, um, I mean, it was, it was the perfect scenario for Georgia to win that game. You know, uh, the hype had been thrown towards Tennessee and everybody was high on Tennessee, but people, people forget this is still a, a defending national champion team. You know, they've got their, their most important piece back in their quarterback Stetson Bennett, who's, Who's, who's older than most people uh, believe, you know, uh, he's a six-year senior. Um, and, you know, they've got Kirby Smart still, of course. I mean, I mean, this is a very experienced team right here. And, and it, look, I know we've, we've knocked Georgia a little bit. Um, you know, I've been hard on them a little bit, saying they might not be the best team. But this is still, like I said, the, this team is going to take care of business at home, I, I think. Um, and I, I think it just came, in, came down one of those – uh, home field advantage is extremely important, especially in a conference like the SEC. I think if this game had been played in Knoxville, um, very good chance Tennessee wins that game. Um, you know, you looked at how much I think the fans carried Tennessee over Alabama a few weeks ago when that game was played in Knoxville. And uh, it, it, it could have gone either way. Uh, Georgia got off to a hot start. Tennessee fell behind um, pretty early in that game, and their defense really – did 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 a solid job in the second half slowing down Georgia, but you could say the same thing for Georgia's defense as well as never let uh, Hendon Hooker and that Tennessee offense get in the game right there. So I think I think a quick start for Georgia really set the tempo for the game, and I think I think uh, I think the the fans there in Athens, Georgia, played a big part in this game. Yeah, I was really shocked at at how dominant Georgia's defense was. Obviously, we've talked many times on here before they they lost you know nine starters to the NFL. Um, and, and their defense uh, was so good last year, but but boy, they Hendon Hooker never got a chance to to get set and, and throw the ball. And they would they were coming off the edges, you know. They would they would look like you know they they were coming. The backers would walk up like they're coming through the a gaps. They would drop back. They'd come get pressure off the edge. They really just were outmatched up front. I thought um, you know on the offensive line versus uh, Georgia's defense, so they could never really get anything going. You know, all the hype was how good. Um, Tennessee's receivers were and and how good Hendon Hooker and, and rightfully so, but boy, Georgia looks like they took that personally and, and they wanted to make a statement and, and they did. So um, hats off to them, as you said, defending national champions uh, and, and they're still the champs until somebody knocks them off. And, and so far nobody has. So uh, I thought a really uh, impressive statement game by the Georgia Bulldogs. And there's some teams you know, there, there's a lot of teams out there, and Georgia is a prime example with how good they are defensively. I think Bama is still like this. I know Bama, um, you know, fell this past week, but there's still teams out there that have these elite defenses that if you let them get a head start, it's going to be darn near impossible to come back on them because, you know, Tennessee is extremely 
talented offensively. I mean, it, that's not a that's not a surprise. That's not that's some that's not something new to anybody. But there's some teams out there that are just if you let them get a quick lead, it's it's just going to be so hard to come back on them. And I think Georgia is a prime example of that you know if you let them get out in front early, their defense is so good that they can do what they want defensively. Rather than, and I'll say this: I think I think Tennessee's, you know, Tennessee's offense is so good, and they have a good defense that if 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 Tennessee gets out in front of teams, it's hard to come back from them. But but Georgia's just so skilled defensively that if you let them take over offensively the first few drives of the game and set the tone, they're they're too talented defensively to give up leads like that. Uh, I agree completely. Let's talk about a couple of the other big games this week. Um, you know, I think. Uh, people kind of know what's going on, but let, let's talk about um, Alabama LSU. You know, this was, um, and we'll probably get into this later. I'm sure uh, you may have some thoughts on it. I will too, about some of the comments being thrown around about Nick Saban and, and his dynasty. But, but this was a game, you know, that uh, I think most people expected uh, Alabama to win. And uh, for not only um, LSU to hang around, stay in it, but then the, the wherewithal to, or the guts to go for two at the end, uh, you know, in, in overtime uh, and secure the win, I thought was uh, phenomenal. I th- thought a brilliant coaching job overall uh, by Brian Kelly, and um, really just what a what a gutsy effort by LSU to hang around. You know, this is an LSU team that first game of the season, you know, they lost to Florida State, did not look good. They've really bounced back, found themselves, and again, I think a statement game. Uh, for LSU and certainly uh, uh, at least in the young um, season with with Brian Kelly, his signature win there at LSU. Anytime you beat Alabama or Nick Saban coach team, you've done something. And, um, you know, uh, that was a, a, a pretty surprising game to me. You know, I thought LSU would compete. Uh, they've been playing well, but I, I just didn't think they'd be able to, to pull off the upset victory over Alabama. And, um, you know, they, they did. Hats off to them. Um, what did you see from LSU that allowed that to happen? And, and what are your thoughts um, as far as the way that uh, Alabama played um, takeaways from that loss? Well, I mean, I mean, I think Bama played well enough to win this game and, you know, they just kind of let LSU hang around and, 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 you know, and like I, I mentioned this before, I think home, there's certain, there's certain places that it, it is just extremely tough to play in and Death Valley is one of them. I mean, I mean, it's hard to go. It's hard to go in there. I don't, you know, even even LSU, if it, if they're down here, it's, it's tough to go down there and play. And look, I think Brian uh, Kelly was, um, you know, just kind of coaching for not 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 coaching for his job, but coaching for it for a for a statement, like you said, a statement right here. I think this was a a huge um, huge win for him, not just the team, but for Brian Kelly, you know, and I, I love the gutsiness right there to go for two right there. And I think, I think he was making a decision right there. Like, Hey, this is, this can really make or break our season right here. And, and right. Luckily for them, it went the right way. Um, what think, are your thoughts? Let me jump in there real quick. Cause, oh yeah. cause he made that decision and, and Alabama, they made the decision to go for two uh, in the game. Uh, I think twice didn't get either one of them. So then when they went down and, and, and kicked a field goal uh, to put them up three instead of putting them up four and presumably mm-hmm. winning the game, um, you know, something to be said for some aggressiveness and then there's something to be said for, um, y- you know, managing that game. Um, what do you make of that? I think there's, I think there's certain times 
to be aggressive. I'm not the biggest fan of, of the aggressiveness, you know, unless you have to be. I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a big advocate of take the points when you when you're given just because like stuff like that, you don't know how, you don't know how the end of the game is going to play out like that. You know, you might need a field goal to tie. You might need a field goal. You know, a field goal could put you up four or five, like you said. And, you know, I think there's certain time, you know, if you've got a kicker that's struggling, then sure. I get it. I, I understand going for two right there and it can, it can really pay off, but you know, it's hard to score it. You know, it, it, it's right there inside the five is, is one of the toughest places on the field to score because you know, the defense, they don't have to worry about giving up the big play behind them. They can they can grind it out. You look at you look at the in the pros why it's so difficult for teams to to get two point conversions. They're already so good defensively that when you take away, they don't have to defend anybody behind them. The you know, so I, I you know I, I didn't like it with Saban going for it earlier in the game. Um, you know, I, I think it was a good play for Brian Kelly right there at the end of the game to go ahead and go for it. You know, I think it's a good move. You know. I like so sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. I think it was a good move for him, though. You know, with you know, LSU's not gonna LSU wasn't gonna probably be in any college football playoff um conversation uh with two losses already. And uh, I like the aggressiveness though, right there. He was, you know, I think he was going for a you know, a, a statement right there. He was trying to, to to make a statement, and he surely did. I'll tell you what I thought was really impressive about the play itself, the two-point play, because a lot of times you'll see, you know, what they did is they had two wide receivers to the right, and then they had the the back out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you coaches or teams will have those two um, receivers on the right run slants to kind of pick those uh, yeah. the, the safety in the corner or, or the back or whoever it is. And sometimes that you, you get called for penalty for that. What they had, I don't know if you watched it, they had those two receivers just run vertical, you know, which isn't very far because they're on the two or three yard line, but it caused Deeper. the backer coming the covering the back out to have to go over top of them. And that's why it allowed him to score because the ball was thrown a little bit behind him. He didn't catch it in the end zone, mm-hmm. but if he wouldn't have had that cushion where that backer had to go over the top of those two receivers, uh, you know, he probably gets tackled for a loss and Alabama wins. But I thought it was a really good play design, um, you know, knowing that there's going to be man coverage. So he's got to go gamble, either go over top or gamble to try and go underneath. But if he does that, he's surely beat. So I, I was really impressed with the play design because I've, I've often seen it where they're they're running slants. And and a lot of times you, you get called for a, an offensive pick on that. Play. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You know, those those pick plays, a lot of coaches will run them on, on two point conversions because, you know, um, if you're blocking more than blocking, you know, more than a yard down the field and you, and you're not making an effort to get back to the ball, then yeah, it's going to be passing your friends. So that's why I think so many of those teams will run pick plays because, you know, you're only needing to go, you know, two yards right there to get the extra two point conversion. So it's easy to not get down the field and block. Um, and, and Bama was probably expecting some kind of pick play right there. And like you said, they, they threw them off. I love, I love a rollout right there. I, I think I think get your quarterback moving on a two point conversion, so he's got options right there. And he he like you said, throw was a little bit behind the the tight end right there, but it but it turned out really good. And um, you know he gave him you know he was able to make the catch and and have have momentum to go forward with. He's not ca- catching a stationary ball, and um, he, he's able to catch that ball and continue his momentum taking him into the end zone right there. So I thought it, like you said, I think it was a, it was a beautifully drawn up play. All right. Before we uh, move on, we've talked about Alabama, LSU, talked about Tennessee, Georgia. Uh, Probably the most surprising game, at least to me, and and I'm a fan, was the uh, number four Clemson uh, at unranked Notre Dame. 
Um, I don't know if you watched it. I, I of course, did. A, a big Notre Dame uh, fan, apologist. And, and Notre Dame's been playing lately. Yeah, you know, last week against Syracuse, the first play of the game, they get a pick six. So that's a non-offensive touchdown to start. Then, mm-hmm. uh, and not the first play, but uh, the first touchdown of the game for Notre Dame comes off a blocked punt, scoop and score. Um, so they're getting it done, uh, you know, not just on the offense. In other ways. But uh, Clemson, you know, has had been playing pretty stout uh, run defense, averaging, I want to say, less than 100 yards given up per, per game. And Notre Dame goes in there, gets 260-some-odd yards um, uh, on the ground. You know, two, two backs had over 100 yards. And then, uh, of course, they had a 96-yard pick six, which I think really sealed it because I think it was maybe 21 uh, nothing at that point. And Clemson's driving. Yeah. And if they get a touchdown, you know, who knows, you know, that – um, that offense is, is, um, you know, explosive, but, um, I, you know, and, and early on or not early on, but when, after they're struggling going in, in the third quarter, they, uh, Clemson went to, uh, Klubinick and his first, um, p- uh, play is, is an interception. So nothing really went right for Clemson. I feel like everything went right for the Irish, um, uh, but really a stunning game because this wasn't a, a game that came down to, you know, a two point conversion. I mean, 35-14, and it really wasn't even – it didn't even feel that close. Uh, you know, it's 14 nothing at half, so it felt a little dicey there. But then, boom, boom, boom. And I think uh, Clemson really got, got shell-shocked there. And uh, that was, to me, the most surprising game of the weekend. I know. You're, you you nailed it perfectly. And I think maybe, maybe Notre Dame's starting to, you know, get their act together. I think Marcus Freeman's got them playing a little bit. A couple really nice wins here in a row. Yeah. Gosh, they're back in the top twenty-five, I believe. Uh, yep. Yeah. So and so they're they're playing right now, and and you know I, I've got something planned to talk about Clemson here later on, but man, just it was just seeming like it was a matter of time before Clemson was going to eventually drop a game. And yeah, and we had talked about you know back and forth about were we really sold on Clemson, yes or no, and and we, we kept saying we kind of weren't, but we were giving them the benefit of that because they kept winning. Plus, it's um, you know, Dabo Sweeney coach team. So, you, you know, it's hard to argue with that. But, um, yeah, I think uh, really kind of anything that could go wrong did go wrong and every, uh, for Clemson and anything that could go right did go right for Notre Dame. So um, really a, a great, uh, you know, we talked about a statement win for uh, Brian Kelly at LSU. This is certainly early in his tenure at Notre Dame, a statement win for uh, Marcus Freeman in, in Notre Dame. Absolutely. So, all right, well, let me jump in real quick with some some news that, that's happened. Some came out today, some within the last few days, but just to, to catch everybody up on some news in the college landscape. This is in no particular order, just uh, as I found it. Um, some of it is, is concerning. Some of it is, is you know, really interesting, good stuff. Um, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, their defensive backs coach, Dan Jackson, will uh, step back. Uh, from his job while the university conducts an internal review based on some comments he posted on uh, social media defending Yi or, or the artist formerly known as Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a comment uh, online on social media that uh, Yi was two steps ahead of everyone else. Uh, he has since issued an apology um, after a lot after their loss to South Carolina. So again, Certainly people have right to their opinions, but when you're an employee, particularly in high profile, you know, if you're putting something out on social media that is um, uh, deemed inappropriate, embarrassing, 
you know, you, you're going to probably get called to task on that. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think, I, I think, I think as an athlete and, and look, I don't, I, I don't want to be the guy that says, look, stick to sports. Like, cause I, I have interest in politics. I have interest in stuff sure. outside of, outside of sports. Um, I, you know, but, but, at, you know, if you're an athlete, you well, just this, gotta, is the, this is the coach, like, the or, coach or coach, anybody yeah. involved in sports, you know, your best bet, the smart move, because, because your best move is just, is, is to stick to sports as much as I hate to say that, you know, because I think everybody is titled to their opinion. Um, but the, the, the problem is, is, is just, it's, it's just not the smart move. I think, I think just, just, just don't, don't put yourself in a, in a position like that, because if you, if you, if you're not in, if you're not at the top, I mean, and you say something that someone else doesn't like, you know, that's above you, they've, you know, they, they might do something, you know, they might suspend you or something. So. Well, what I think too, and, and um, is just this, particularly as a coach, but even as a player, like, look, you don't want to, during the middle of the season, you, you're competing for these lofty goals. You don't want to become a distraction. So I think, you know, particularly during the season, you really want your message to be on point about the, the team goals and, and not necessarily, you know, what you're wanting to do. Now, look, you can get into whether or not you agree with those statements or not, uh, or whether you think he, he should have been kind of forced to step back. I, I don't know if that was his decision or not. I don't know if that's um, political speak for – he's being told to and he has to, but yeah, I think just, just be smart in that. You know, we, we've, we've seen how much um, heat that this uh, these comments um, from Kanye had taken on. So why put yourself into that, you know, to, to it's just a what, smart thing to not yeah. say anything. All right. So let's um, move on. Some other um, uh, news, uh, Anthony Hill jr. Second rated linebacker in the 2023 class has decommitted from Texas A&M. He's a Denton Ryan product, and he has uh, decommitted from Texas A&M. I've got to believe, um, and, and I don't, he, I didn't see why, but I got to believe certainly this uh, five-game losing streak probably mm-hmm. has something to do with it. Um, but that's got to be a blow to, um, you know, Texas A&M. And, and you know, they, they had such a good recruiting class uh, this year. They're looking to, to build on that, and then you lose a – somebody from your home state, uh, number two ranked uh, linebacker. That's, that can't be, that can't be good news, obviously. So uh, hopefully that's, it's not a, um, not one domino that's, that's going to uh, cause a lot more to fall for uh, Texas A&M, but uh, that remains to be seen. No. Yeah, you're right. I, I think this, this little, this season has, has probably put a, put a big head. It's been a big head scratcher for a lot of people that are going to be, wanting to go to A&M and you know the the scary thing is for for college coaches is a a commitment means nothing Um, right you know until you're signed you are no not obligated whatsoever to attend that university and you know that's you know Jimbo's got some pressure on him there in college station they got they got a lot of pressure because because people know they are the top recruiting class you know they're bringing in the best recruits and everything and and when you're not performing with good recruits some of these kids that are you know, waiting to come up and haven't signed yet, they're gonna they're gonna be second guessing their decision and and just like that, you know, where where did you say the kid was from? He was from Texas or yeah, Denton uh, Ryan. Denton Ryan, I believe. Yes. Wow. So, all right. And other news: University of South Florida fires head coach Jeff Scott. Yeah. He was uh this in his third year. He was four and twenty six. 
So again, um, probably not a surprise. Uh, you and I have, have talked about it uh, quite a bit that, you know, I wish if, if there's that much concern, you either do something in the off season, uh, aside from some egregious behavior, but if it's just a performance issue, either if, if you have the faith in him to let him start the season, you know, let him finish the season or, you know, fire him before the season, four and 26 is hard to defend. Um, but I don't know what they thought they were going to, you know, why this year would be different. Yeah. Um, but so he's out at South Florida, um, you know, a long list of, of um, people out this, um, this coaching seasons we've talked about. Um, uh, one more kind of negative thing. And then I want to talk about some positive things. I don't want, I don't always be a downer <laughs> here, but um, Nebraska starting safety, Miles Farmer has been suspended for Saturday's game against number three, Michigan. Uh, after um, being cited for suspicion of driving under the influence. So, again, this is one. There's no justification. Be smarter than that. Call Uber, call a buddy, whatever the case may be. Don't put yourself, uh, other people at risk. Um, so just an unfortunate decision made by this young man, and let's, let's hope he learns his lesson. Yeah, consequences come with that kind of stuff. Yep. All right, so let's get a little bit more positive uh, news. Uh, the first thing, and, and this will probably come up later, but just some positive stuff. Um, the Kansas Jayhawks are bowl eligible for the first time since 2008 after the 37-16 uh, win over Oklahoma State. So congratulations to Kansas. Uh, great accomplishment. You know, again, we're talking about them quite a bit this year, uh, and it's not even basketball season. So certainly the culture is being built there that, that this is a also a football school. And then another um, thing, just uh, not news per se, but is anybody out there talking about the Liberty Flames? They are, Thank you. Thank you. They're my new – I'm replacing Oklahoma State with Liberty. Okay, good. They are sitting at 8-1, and one, um, and they've got three games left against UConn, Virginia Tech, and New Mexico State, all very winnable. So they could be 11-1. and one. And here's their quality wins. 41-14 over BYU. That is a quality win. Yeah, baby. 21-19 over Arkansas. And a loss to Wake Forest, 37-36. So this isn't a, a, a smaller team that has a great record against, um, you know, inferior talent or really small schools. I mean, they're playing some of these big boys. Hugh Freeze has certainly done a great job. Obviously, he got that eight-year extension through 2030, I believe. But um, – People got to know. People need to know about Liberty and what they're doing. It's it's really a great story and and um, certainly not anything I expected coming into this season. Now Liberty's been on the come up for a few years now. They've been they've been they're they're one of those smaller schools. You know they've been on the come up a little bit. And there it was just it was a matter of time before they really had one of these breakthrough seasons. And I mean, if you know college football, you know who Hugh, Hugh Freeze is. I mean he he can coach. I mean and and. You know, I, I'm I'm happy for them that they locked him up. You know, he's yeah, he, he, yeah. It, that's the that's the smart thing to do. Go ahead and lock him up before he can go get another big time SEC job or something. So absolutely smart move right there by Liberty. Because there's a handful of of I mean, obviously there's there's tons of great coaches, but there's a handful of of, of hot commodities out there that that people are going to try and and snap up. And yeah, kudos to them for recognizing what they had and and. Uh, um, you know, nailing him down for the long term because oh, yeah. definitely people were going to come call, calling the way they're going to come for Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, for Lane Kiffin. Um, uh, you know, uh, so 
good good for them for doing that. So do you think? Do you think? Um, you know, and I think we already start to have started to see it in college basketball. You think some of these coaches with how much talent is it? You know, you know. I bring this up in college. I've said this in college basketball because I love college basketball. I don't. I don't. I think we've gotten to the point in you know 2022 that some of these mid majors, these smaller schools, they're not even the talent's gotten so good with these athletes. Some of these, you know, some of these schools, these smaller schools beating some of these bigger, they're not even upsets anymore. I think we've gotten to the point where some of these small, and you look, my question is, do you think we've gotten to the point where the talent has gotten so good that some of these big time name coaches are, are not going to be not going to desire so much. Some of these big, big time flashy jobs. I do think that. I think the the a lot of these schools uh, have the money uh, to, to pay these coaches. Uh, they're building a culture. They're happy where they are. They're getting uh, high talented recruits. They're getting exposure. So I think you're absolutely right. And I think that that's something that should be um, uh, celebrated. You know, so it's no longer that you've got to be at Duke, at North Carolina, you know, you or you know, for bas- college basketball, or, you, or that you've got to be at Alabama, Texas. You know, you're, you're seeing these things uh, happening, and, and like you said, it's bleeding over into football. You know, Kansas is now arguably a very good job where it, it wasn't before. Obviously, Boise State is, has, has been attractive for years. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing Liberty. You're seeing uh, what Coach Prime has done. So I think people are starting to recognize uh, the value of these coaches, what they can bring to these universities, and, and they're starting to reward them accordingly. Uh, look, you're always going to have some coaches – uh, and part of what makes them great is their ambition, their desire. So they're going to want the next bigger job, you know, and, and that's part of it. And that, that's what drives them. But I think we're starting to see these other coaches that are, that are happy building a culture, building a Jeff trailer. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Jeff trailer, uh, UTSA. Absolutely. So no, I think that's a, it's a great point and, and I'm really happy to see it. No, it, it, I agree. It make I think it makes things more interesting. You know, it's, it's some some of these smaller programs are are, are going to really get get bigger. You know, these what we call these small programs with these great leaders, these great coaches. They're going to attract more talent. You already, like you said, look at Jackson State and Dion. I mean, they're already starting to get better talent. So, you know, hats off to Hugh Freeze and Liberty, and I hope they continue to win. All right, so let's uh, jump on in before we get to some of these uh, segments. Let's let's talk about players of the week. Um, and then we can, we can kind of move on. I know you've got some things we want to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll start, I'll go defensive player of the week. Then you go, we'll just go that way. Um, there should be no question who I was going to pick for my defensive player of the week. Uh, mine is, uh, Benjamin Morrison, true freshman from Notre Dame, seven tackles, four solo tackles, uh, two picks. Uh, one for a touchdown, and that touchdown was a 96-yard pick six that, like I said, really kind of put the nail in the coffin um, for Clemson, you know, to put them in the coffin. So my defensive player of the week is true freshman Benjamin Morrison of uh, Notre, Notre Dame. Great minds think alike, Coach Tripp. He's mine as well. Uh, you know, the the true freshman right there, you said got a pick six, you know, um, I, I think he saw 13 targets in coverage and only allowed just the – the, the three first downs. And like you said, he took a 96 yarder back to the house. And uh, I think pro football focus had him, had him at a, had a 90 over a 90 on the coverage grade right there. So 
uh, you know, hats off to the true freshmen. You know, it's easy for a lot of these teams to go pick on freshmen, and he wasn't having it this week. So, so I got Benjamin Morrison as well. All right. Um, do you want to go offensive player of the week first? Yeah, sure. I I, I cheated a little bit. Um, I had you know we we texted back and forth and on uh, on Saturday. I think it's it, against this against a good Kansas State team. I think it'd be hard to 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 overlook what Bijan Robinson did. Um, I mean. I don't know if you have his total numbers right there. I know he was over, I believe, 200 yards rushing, and and just 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 an absolute beast. You know, it's 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 not something you do in the uh, in the NFL. Man, he might be worth he might be worth taking it taking early. I know you're not supposed to take running backs. I know that's I'm against taking running backs. He might be worth it in the NFL. Yeah, he uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, give me one second. I'm going to pull those numbers up. All right, I'll give you my other one while you're pulling up Bijan's number. Okay. I also, also had Tanner uh, Mordecai from uh, from SMU. Did I did I steal yours? You did, but yeah. go ahead, man. That's man, we're we're just. I mean, we didn't talk about this. Anybody listen? No. we didn't talk about this beforehand. So, I mean, we're 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 we got we like I said, great minds think alike right That's here. Right. Um. Yeah, Mordecai. You know, I I I wonder what the I want to know about at halftime because I didn't look. I want to know what the adjusted over under was at halftime because you know you obviously you obviously can lie can can bet live i want to know right. what the what the over under was because i mean well i what was final score like 77 to 65 I yes mean, I'm, oh crazy my gosh i mean that's a basketball score yes um, but tanner mordecai um you know for for smu um i've got his you know he is over 75 percent completion rate through for 370 yards and nine touchdowns, nine and he, touchdowns. And he, and he ran for another one. Yeah. So 10 touchdowns. He had 10 total touchdowns. Had t- yeah. Uh, eight carries of 54 yards. So here I got the numbers on Bijan Robinson. Uh, I mean, if you call this a good day, fine, but 30 mm-hmm. carries, 209 yards, seven yards per carry, uh, one touchdown and a, for a long uh, a carry of 68 yards. So yeah, we My- were texting. This guy is, uh, you know, if the team was was a little bit, uh, you know, in the top, you know, ten, uh, and they're getting closer now, but but he would definitely be talked about a lot more than he is. He is if you haven't if you haven't had a chance to watch him, you really need to watch him. He's a phenomenal talent, uh, crazy in my opinion, underrated as far as running backs go. Um, he 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 can. He can break it at any time. He can catch. He can he can carry the ball. So he's just a phenomenal talent. So we we also uh, we also texted this. I remember this the other day with the the weekend that that Stroud, C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker had. Um, that his his Heisman stock went up a little bit. You know, it's 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 not a popular thing to give a running back um, necessarily the Heisman. We've seen it in years past. I know. I know we've gotten some in the past, but you know usually it's going to be quarterbacks up there at the top. So you know mm-hmm. Bijan definitely jumped up a little bit with the weekend that that C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker had. Absolutely. All right, I'll go special teams. Um, this is not necessarily a a mind blowing stats, but I thought, and this is uh, I'll go ahead and it's it's uh, Brett Thorson from Georgia, punter from Georgia, and here's why he um, they were up, Georgia was up seven to three and had to punt. And he hits a 75-yard yes. punt down to the one. That and huge. it totally – I mean, not only flip field position, but, you know, they uh, Tennessee has that fumble, barely get it out of the end zone. So then 
they have to punt, Tennessee has to punt, and then Georgia scores on the, that next um, ensuing um, possession. And so I thought that that really changed the complexion of that game. And his numbers were really good. He had four punts for uh, over 200 yards, a 50.3 average, a lot of that coming because he had the, the long of 75 yards. And then he had that, that one that was inside the 20. It was actually down to the one. So I thought that that was um, – just uh, maybe indicative of how the whole game was going to go for Georgia. Everything went right. But I thought that at that time when it was seven to three, Tennessee gets a stop. Maybe you're thinking, okay, they're going to get it to go, uh, get it going. They're going to go down, uh, put a drive together and and take the lead. And, and uh, that punt really just uh, deflated Tennessee and then led to another Georgia score. So, and that kind of stuff that special teams, I mean, I mean, I mean, it gets overlooked. I mean, we had, you know, we had Peyton Rhodes on a few weeks ago, and 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 you know how 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 good he is on the, on the special teams unit at his school, I mean, stuff like that makes a big difference. I mean, be able to pin somebody at the, I mean, one. I mean, I mean, just stuff like that. I mean, those are game changers right there. So, um, I know how much I know how much, uh, you know, these teams value their special teams. But when it's all said and done, when you can do when you can do stuff like that, I mean, I mean, those are those are game changing plays right there that that get gets overlooked. Absolutely. Mine was uh, my special teams player of the week was Tulu Griffin from uh, from Mississippi State. Uh, you know, he's just, I know I, you know, I've heard about him all year. You know, he's just been dying to get one just to, to, to run one back to the end zone. He took back a 92 yarder in the first half against Auburn and, and really kind of shifted the first half momentum uh, in Mississippi State's favor. He, he continued his big season as a returner and everything. And uh, he, he also took home. Uh, SEC uh, special teams player of the week right there. So, um, you know, stuff like that. You got a good kick returner as well. I mean, that stuff can – I mean, field position is such an important part of the game. You know that. Um, I mean, if you can if you can run with a short field, if you can if you can pin people and make them have a long field, I mean, stuff like that happens or is, is, are game changers right there. So, Tulu Griffin from, from Mississippi State, a 92-yarder, taking one of the house – SEC player of the week or special teams player of the week. He's my uh, special team player of the week as well. All right. Sounds good. All right. What do we want to get into? Which segment first? Um, We can do heroes and zeros. We'll do it. We'll okay. go ahead and do that. Um, you want to, you want to do your, your zeros. We'll get the bad news out of the way first. We'll do our zeros. Yes, absolutely. So All I'll right, go, go first again. This is in no particular order. Um, but my first one is uh, Oklahoma state. Uh, losing 16 to 37 uh, at Kansas. They've now lost two in a row uh, at Oklahoma State has and three out of four. So they were kind of undefeated and and we were talking about them maybe winning uh, the Big 12 and, and buying for a spot in the college football playoff and and they kind of fell apart and uh, this loss to Kansas I think is is uh, really a, a bad loss. Not because they lost Kansas we know is is very good but uh, at the how bad the loss was, and yeah. really after uh, it, it just kind of seems like they've uh, uh, maybe kind of given up over there. And, and I hope that's I not the case. Um, my second um, zero is uh, the the Illini, uh, number sixteen Illini, losing to Michigan State twenty three sixteen at home. I mean, you're you're the you're the number sixteen team. You're again, you're you're really uh, making a, a name for yourself. And you lose to a uh, very talented, but a very—I um, don't want to say 
bad Michigan State team, but a very inconsistent Michigan State yes. team at home. And if, if again, it, as you're trying to, um, you know, build something, put something together, you, you've you got to have that win at home against a, an inconsistent team. I agree. And my last one was uh, number 16, Syracuse, losing 19-9 to uh, on the road to Pitt. It's their – Third straight loss after starting six and zero. So they've they've really kind of let the wheels fall off. They started off uh, so well, so promising. Um, and look, last week Notre Dame. I mean, we've talked about Notre Dame's playing really well, but Pitt has been you know up and down. And and uh, you know I just thought really that they've got to figure some things out, get this ship righted because. I thought it was a great story when they're six and zero, and it still can be if they can write the ship and, and kind of win out. But you know, you're sitting at number sixteen. You shouldn't. You should be able to score more than nine points. And if your defense holds yeah. a team to nineteen, you ought to win at home. So those are my three zeros. No, I I, uh, I, I thought those were three really good ones. I, I really contemplated putting Syracuse in mine. I went a, a little different approach here. Um, I also did have Illinois. I had Illinois in mine. I thought. You know, at, at home, you know, Michigan State. I, like you said, they're they're up and down. They're a, they're an inconsistent team, and and I, I thought Illinois, you got to beat them. Like you said, you got to take care of business at home against against Michigan State. They're Michigan State. I don't think it's very. Um, they're just not that good. And you know, Michigan State's coming off the big debacle at Michigan. You know, they're kind of, um, you know, as an athletic as a football program right now, they're they're kind of you know, scratching heads, wondering what's going on. And, and for them to go in there uh, to, you know, to Champagne and, and beat Illinois right there, that's, that, that's a bad loss in my opinion. Um, I threw in um, – I also threw in Clemson. Um, look, you know, poor Clemson. I, I feel like – and we're, I'm going to talk about this here here shortly. You know, Clemson, Clemson was just hanging on by a thread, I feel like. I know they were 8-0. And, and I feel like it's been this for a few years now, ever since Trevor Lawrence has been gone. Clemson's just just kind of hanging on by a thread. You know, you know, it, it was a weird season for him last year. You know, a couple of years ago, right after Trevor Lawrence left, it was kind of a strange season as well. You know, they had a, they had a few wins that I felt like they got kind of lucky in. And, you know, Clemson, Clemson was just just hanging on by a thread. That's my that's the only way I know how to put it. And 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 to lose. You know, I don't think it's necessarily a, to to dis to dis Notre Dame, but how do you how do you let Notre Dame score thirty five on you? you know, Notre Dame has really struggled to, to score this year, and I know I know a few of those weren't offensive touchdowns, but but I really thought I I just, I just thought you know, you know to only score fourteen points as well. You know, 14, 14 points ain't going to get it done anyway. So right. um, I think yeah. what they've got to do, and and I know Dabble has addressed it, and he's made it clear, but I, I'm maybe going to disagree with him after, after this. And, and look, he, he knows better than I do, but just as a fan, they got to figure out their quarterback situation. Yeah. You know, he seems uh, to really be uh, living and dying with DJ. And I respect that. He's your guy. You want to give him every opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, and yeah, once you've supported him, given an opportunity after opportunity and, and he doesn't get it done, it may be time to, to see, you know, really see what you have with uh, Klubinik. So, that's something I think that they've got to get addressed. And, and it's, it, it's tough because it's a distraction. You know, he wants to improve yeah. that football team and, and he, maybe he thinks that that is the way to go, but he knows that as soon as he makes that move, that's just going to open up, uh, you know, flood of, of questions and distractions from media and, and fans and boosters and all that. So, um, 
that's yeah, a tough situation there in Clemson with only one lot. You know, it's not as if uh, the wheels are have necessarily yeah. fallen off. But you're right. We worried about them kind of all year. How good are they? You know, is this smoke and mirrors? And now they've been exposed, at least in this one game. So so we'll see. You know, and 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 DJ Ugalele, there's there's a lot of upside to him. You know, when he's playing well, he he's pretty darn good. But 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 you know, he plays down to his competition some some too as well. And and I thought you said it perfect. You know, it's it's like it, it, the people around him. You know, media. You know, fans. The, the other players on the team. They're like, it's like you you've said DJ's our guy, but but it's almost like everybody's questioning it. Like, is he actually the guy? You know, and and we'll see going forward if Klubinac gets gets more of an opportunity. There is a lot of upside for Ugalele. When he plays, he is pretty darn good. When he plays good, he is really darn good. But but when it's bad, it, it can get it can get ugly at times too. Um, so we'll we'll see what we'll see how Clemson responds. Um, we'll see if they can they can they can finish strong right here. It's just one loss. It's not the end of the world. And you know, Dabo's Dabo's a darn good coach. You know, I think he'll get figured out. And, and we'll see how they how they finish up the rest of the season because the ACC is is still a very winnable conference. And look, one loss doesn't do it to you. You know, they're, they're I think going forward they're going to need some help. But but it, this isn't a death sentence for Clemson quite yet. Um, my my last one was uh, I, I've done this. I've been known to do this here in this segment. I'm actually going to pick a team that won right here, and it's uh, it's it's my team, my my Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, Ohio State really struggled on the road at Northwestern. Northwestern is not a very good team. Northwestern is very bad. They are not good. I know the weather wasn't very good, but uh, you know I watched I watched the first half of this game, and Ohio State just didn't come to play in this game. You know they fell behind early seven to nothing. C.J. Stroud didn't look good. I get it. It was raining. The weather wasn't very good. It was windy. Um, but but Ohio State, you know, good teams, and I think Ohio State is a good team. Look, don't get me wrong, but 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 you know, good teams come to play regardless of if conditions are bad, who they're playing, you know, and I may, I hope this is a wake up call for the Buckeyes. Cause I think they are a very good team and they were down seven to nothing for a lot of that first half. And the score ended up only being 21 to seven, but uh, you know, I, I think Ohio state's a zero for this week. I, I was really disappointed in how they played. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think all good picks there. Um, all right, so let's uh, flip over and look at the uh, positive side here. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, my first one is is number 10, LSU, with a 32-31 win over number 6, uh, Bama, going for two in overtime. Huge uh, decision and and, and t- took a lot of guts and courage, mm-hmm. but uh, turned out to be the right move. And, and as we talked about earlier in the show, really a statement win for LSU and for Brian Kelly in his short tenure at uh, LSU. So that's my first hero, huge game, huge win. My next one, um, man, these next two, uh, feel free to call me out as a homer. uh, UTSA for a 44-38 overtime win on the road against UAB. You know, we had uh, um, Alex Shiloh on who who works there and, and, we know their story and how good they are. They're, they're, they're having a bit of a down year, but, um, you know, UTSA uh, really had to struggle and, and, and got to overtime. And fortunately, if you're a Roadrunner fan, uh, Frank Harris was able to uh, lead him down for the winning touchdown. Uh, so, so keeping UTSA undefeated in Conference USA. So they're, they're trying to defend their, their Conference USA championship on their, on their way out to the American Athletic Conference. Um, so that's my second hero. 
and you already know my my last one uh notre dame defeating clemson 35 14 at home um you know just a, a huge victory for them a statement a statement win again as we said for the irish and for the marcus freeman era uh really proud for those kids that that you know really have been taking a lot of criticism and and things in the season so uh that is my uh, those are my three heroes uh for the last week I, I thought about putting Notre Dame in mine, and and I I ended up leaving them out. They're they're my honorable mention, but I, I, that was that was worded perfectly, Coach Tripp. I think they have responded outstanding to the the criticism through three weeks. You know, they were people were were questioning them. They had a bad loss at Marshall. You know, they started the year off pretty good, even though it was a loss at Ohio State. You know, people were were saying, hey, this this might be a pretty solid Notre Dame squad, and and you know they were a really rough start. But man, to and, and, you know, a bad loss to Stanford in there as well. But they've responded really well these last couple of weeks. Um, they've got it. They've, they've turned this. They've turned the ship around. It's in, in, into a very respectable record right now at six and three. And 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 look, I think me and you both know how good of a coach Marcus Freeman is. I know you you trust him. And, and I, 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 I think the world, I think he's a great defensive mind. And look, he's, he's trying to get things, things, uh, culture still built right there. So so uh, I do like that Notre Dame pick. I, I didn't have him in there, though. Um, it was hard for me to go against Georgia. Uh, I know it was a home game. I know you had the crowd and everything, but to be able to, you know, Georgia won this game in the first quarter. Uh, I mean, I mean, they set the tone early and Tennessee had no chance of coming back. And, um, you know, the fans there in Athens, I mean, give them credit. They, they didn't let Tennessee get back in the game. And so, so Georgia right there at the top, my number two is, uh, I also picked LSU um, when anytime you knock off Bama, anytime you you have some kind of gutsy call like that to win like that, that does definitely deserves a hero uh, for me. And I I love the aggressive. I thought it I thought it was a great. You know, there's times you know that you know a lot of times you know if you think you can wear a team out and beat them in overtime, then kick the extra point. If you're a team that you I don't think Bama's the team you want to go up against in overtime. And I think I think Brian Kelly went for the knockout punch right there, and it paid off. Uh, I, I think if that game had gone to overtime, Bama probably would have won that game. So I think it was a great call. Hats off to Brian Kelly. Hats off to a very good LSU squad who's been playing really well since that first week loss against uh, against Florida State. I had – we talked about this team earlier. My number three right here, the Liberty Flames. Um, I love seeing some of these smaller schools um, be good. Liberty's good. Liberty very easily could be 9-0. and They're 8-1. and They're well coached. Hugh Freeze. Um, they go in Arkansas. I picked – I, I actually I, I bet on uh, Liberty to win this game, um, and, and they did. They they got a little complacent there. They didn't score in the second half. They were up twenty one to three at halftime and made things a little interesting. Ended up winning at twenty one to nineteen, but they were nonetheless they were able to hang on right there. Liberty is a good football team. They've been they've been on the come up for these last few years, and I think it's really starting to show their 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 Liberty. All right. Um, before we get on to your um, uh, next segment, I'm going to ask you a question about a couple of coaches. Okay. And um, I'm going to name, I'm going to list out coaches. Um, and I want you to uh, tell me if you had to pick, who would you give an award to? Uh, you can only give an award to one. So I'm going to do one for the season and I'm going to do one for this past week. Okay. All right. So for this past week, if you're giving out a, a game ball award to coaches and you had Kirby Smart, you had Marcus Freeman and you had Brian Kelly. Who are you? Who are you giving the Ooh. award? 
I would, I'd probably have to go with Kirby Smart just by the way, how well Georgia was focused. They were, you could obviously tell when you, when you hold an offense like that to 13 points, you were well prepared. It's, it's not like they had to go and make adjustments in the game, they were prepared going into it. You know, you being a, a coach and, uh, you know, you know more than anything how, how, how much the week leading up, um, how important it is, you know, the game planning, watching film. You could tell Georgia was locked in to start this game, and I, I think that's that's a testament to good coaching right there. Um, yeah, I think the other two were, were obviously good names to throw out there, but, but Kirby Smart had his team prepared to play this week. Okay. All right. So certainly uh, could not disagree with that. All right. So now think about the season. I'm going to give you three coaches, and you tell me who gets your award thus far coaching the season. All right. Okay. Uh, Dan Lanning of Oregon, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Freeze of Liberty. I'm gonna go four here. D, uh, Coach Prime Dion, uh, Jackson State, uh, or Jeff Trailer of UTSA. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's Dan Lanning. I think the other three coaches, um, I, you know, Dion got a got a really good squad at Jackson State. Hugh Freeze, like I said, I think Liberty Liberty was already a, a good squad. I think Liberty was already a good squad on the come up. It's just now they're getting a little bit of, of, uh, of national attention and you know how much you and I love Jeff trailer. I think, I think those three right there, uh, we already knew, I think we already knew they were good coaches. Um, Dan Lanning, you know, we didn't know a lot about Oregon. I know they came into the season ranked. What, what was that week one against Georgia? Was it one versus three? I think I believe Something so. like that, you know, and, and, and we didn't know a lot about Oregon. I know they were ranked well and they were ranked high, but you know, we didn't know what we were going to get with Bo Nix. We didn't know how good Oregon was going to really be. And I, and, and, and I'll be honest after that week one, I thought Oregon was done. So I, 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 I thought Oregon was going to fall out of the top 25 and stay out of the top 25. I didn't, I didn't think you could re- recover. I, I, I just didn't, I just didn't think after watching, you know, I thought even, you know, even if you lose by 20 and you look somewhat decent, then you got time to recover. But I thought that to score three points in week one, I thought they were done. So I got to give it to Dan Lanning. I didn't expect this team to be, to be eight and one. And I, I, I did not expect, I'll say this. I did not expect Oregon after that week one performance to be back in the mix to be back in the college football playoff right now, Oregon, Oregon is the best shot for the PAC 12 and they've got a good shot. You know, they come in at number six, you know, they, they, they've got a really good chance, you know, Tennessee, if they lose the SEC championship game, um, if they even get into it, um, you know, if they lose another game, Oregon's going to jump them. Um, and they've got a great chance to, to jump either Michigan or Ohio state. If one of those teams lose right there. So Oregon's in really a really good position. If TCU loses a game, a regular season game, Georgia, or excuse me, Oregon's got a great chance to, to leapfrog a lot of teams right now. So I, I got to give Dan letting the nod on that one for the season. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to, to uh, go against that pick uh, for the reasons you said, uh, you know, how everybody had written them off after that Georgia loss. We we now know really how good Georgia is, uh, but we're also seeing how good Oregon is. Mm-hmm. They, they, they didn't just rebound and, you know, are sitting at, you know, uh, seven and three, you know, they're, they have about one loss. They, they've, they've uh, undefeated since then. So a uh, really phenomenal um, job uh, by uh, landing his staff and, and that team. Of course. So, and they're winning games convincingly. They're not squeaking games out. They're playing good football. They really are. And and look, I, I, 
you know, I didn't know how the Bo Nix project was going to work out. I knew he's a good athlete. I knew he's a good football player, but I, I didn't know how things were going to were, were going to play out with him. But but I mean, they they they've had some really good wins this season. They they've beaten BYU and BYU was was ranked twelfth. Uh, they they beat UCLA, who I didn't think they were going to beat UCLA. They've still got some some. They've got a few difficult tests coming down the road. They've got they got to play Washington. They got to play Utah, and then a tough one on the road to finish the season in Oregon State. So. So we're going to see what they're made of here these last few weeks of the season. Absolutely. All right. So um, you want to jump into um, overreaction Sunday or Tuesday? You know, I, you know, I, I love that we're doing this thing on Tuesdays now with the rankings coming out. So Yeah, I do too. It's, um, it's been good. So, so it's worked out perfect. I mean, we might just have to change the name of the segment to overreaction yeah. Tuesday. But um, so we'll go ahead and jump into it. We're, we're moving a little faster than we are in most week, uh, on most weeks right here. Yeah, but, um, we are. And we still got uh, – I still got a pick for you, let you pick. Uh, I'm going to give you three games of the week, or, you know, right. big games this week. I'll let you pick what, what you're most excited for and why. But I thought we'd do this segment first. All right. So so, so when I came up with this first one on, uh, on, on Overreaction Tuesday, uh, tell me if you don't understand because it's kind of wordy, and, and I've got a few of them that are kind of wordy, but – so, Coach Tripp, we've got obviously with this last, these last rankings, we got three. Uh, excuse me, we've got four undefeated teams uh, in the top four right now. But you got to think by the end of it, you know, there's going to be at least one of them, uh, or they're not all going to be undefeated. They, they, they physically can't be. They can't. They can't be all undefeated um, when when the final rankings come out when we determine who's going to watch bowl game. Um, so. Should the college football committee with with I, I guess I should say with without a clear cut number four, I, I at the end of the year, at the end of the year, I don't think we'll have a clear cut number four. Should the college football committee eyeball test the number four spot? So when I when I mean eyeball test, they could go anyone from four to say number eight. Um, okay, so does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, okay, so should they, since there's, if there's not a clear cut number four, um, I think at that point, man, that's just so dangerous to do that because certainly as fans, uh, we want to do that. We want to say, look, this looks, but I think you really have to be able to defend your choice. Now, look, mm-hmm. sometimes the the reasons we get are not very good. Like last week when they had Clemson ahead of TCU and they said, well, Clemson gotten behind in some games the, the very week that Clemson got way behind uh, Syracuse. Uh, but at least if there's some metrics that they can point to, uh, I think it, it gives a little bit more uh, credibility to the committee and their picks. Um, so why I personally would, would feel like, Hey, I'm qualified. Let me do the eyeball test. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they should, probably should not do that because I think it, it leaves too much up for interpretation and um, damages kind of their credibility. See, I, I, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think, I think with, with, we just, and look, we, there's still lots of season to play. You know, we don't know how it's going to pan out. You know, I, I'm, I'm speaking from, from this week of the speculation. I, I just, I don't know who the clear cut number four is. And look, I'm not on the college football committee. I'm hosting a podcast with you. You know, I don't know. Right. I'm not qualified to make this, make this, but I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an overreaction because look, I, I, I think we know, Right now, I don't. I don't even know if we know who a clear cut number three is, just because we don't. Know, at least I don't know about Michigan. I just don't know. 
Uh, Michigan, I, I will give Michigan credit. I've been hard on them. I, they're, 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 they've played really well these last few weeks. And, and I don't think, I think that Ohio state game is going to be more, more difficult than I thought it was going to be uh, later in the year. But, you know, right now, I think we, we only really know at least the two best teams are Georgia and Ohio state. Look, I still think Tennessee is a good team and, and, and look, Michigan, Michigan, of course, is a solid team and TCU is a good team. You know, you know, three through five right there are, are really good teams right there, but I don't think it's an overreaction to do that because I, I don't know if there, there is a clear cut number four. Like I said, it's still early to make these kind of speculations right here. So we don't know, but for, for this week right now, I don't think that's an overreaction because we just don't know. Okay. Um, okay, so number two, kind of a kind of another wordy one right here. All right, so Coach Trip from teams sitting on the outside. So we've got, of course, we'll, we'll relist the top four. We've got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. So from the teams sitting on the outside, the Pac-12, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the Pac-12 has the best chance of getting a team in the top four. So, of course, we've got Oregon at six, uh, USC at eight, and I thought they – Fell, yeah, they did fall out of the top ten. UCLA at twelve, so but still just one loss for those those uh, those three Pac-12 teams right there. Is the Pac-12 is that an overreaction or not to think that the Pac-12 has got the best chance of getting a team in the top four that's sitting on the outside right now? Um, so I would say it's a it is an overreaction only because sitting at number five is Tennessee. Is that correct? Yeah. And so I think they would have a great shot at getting in, um, even potentially with two losses, but certainly with only one loss. So mm-hmm. um, I, I would think just, uh, but, you know, again, you look at the metrics, the, the schedule they play, you know. Now, if they go with two losses and uh, Oregon is sitting there with one loss, uh, it's tough, may go to Oregon, but but I would say it's a, a slight overreaction because I think the table is set right now uh, for Tennessee to get back into it. I agree. I think Tennessee is going to, you know, probably try to, you know, get their way back in it. But I, I, I think I, I think I don't think it's an overreaction to say that because, you know, I think at the end of the season we're going to have two pretty good teams playing in the Pac-12 championship game. I, you know, I know Oregon doesn't have to play either USC or UCLA. Um, USC and UCLA do have to play each other, so one of them are going to knock each other out. It's going to come down to one of those. I think it's going to come down to either Oregon or UCLA slash USC. So, and, and, and just there's a lot of domino effects. There's a lot of different moving parts. You know, we're still still weeks out from knowing anything, but you got to think, you know, you got to think Tennessee's got a really good chance to lose another game. Um, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, they're going to lose another game. TCU still got to play a championship game. They still got to play a few more teams down the road. So there's still lots of opportunities for a lot of for a lot of but for a lot of these teams. But but the Pac-12 right now is kind of surrounding that top ten, that top eight right there. I was surprised at how far UCLA fell out uh, uh, yeah, to twelfth right there. But um, you know, I think the Pac-12 has put themselves in a good position at least at least make a run at it and get a team in there. So I don't think that's necessarily an overreaction. Um, all right, Coach Tripp, I, I kind of hinted at this one earlier. I think I might have even said it. The college football committee, overreaction or not, the college football committee was looking for a reason to get rid of Clemson, and now they do. Um, man, I think it's an overreaction because I think the committee likes them because of their brand, because mm-hmm. of the history. 
Now, um, I think if they were honest with themselves, would would they uh, maybe admit that they had them ranked too high? You know, the last couple of weeks, probably yes. But I don't think they're looking for a way to get rid of them because they have such a strong fan base, such brand uh, name recognition with the casual fan plus the history. So, um, you know, I don't think they're trying to get rid of them um, or weren't looking for a reason to get rid of them. I think kind of the opposite is true. They were looking for a reason to keep them because of the, the recognition. You know, and gosh, I think this is most we've ever disagreed on, on this, you know, we we've, I, well, I'm about to go. We're about to go three for three on disagreeing with each other. I, I, I think it, it's, it's not an overreaction. I think the committee was, we did want to look for a reason to get rid of Clemson. Um, I, and I agree with what you said. I think in the, in the past they, they have favored Clemson. I think they do like Clemson. I think they think they like they they. I'd be a fool to say that that they they don't like them. Um, they do like good teams. They like the brands. They like the, they like Clemson. They like Bama. They like these Oklahoma, they like Oklahoma. They want these, these teams that have been there in the past here in the college football committee at the top or in the college football playoff at the top. But I think, I think this year I just get a different feeling. I think they wanted to get rid of Clemson because look, the college football committee, I think they're self-conscious. I think they know that. I think they know what us as fans are thinking. I think they know what is at the, the media members are critiquing them. I think I think they knew that people weren't high on Clemson this year. I think people that I think they knew fans were criticizing them, having them up there higher. I think they knew media members were were critiquing them and having them a little bit higher. So I think now and I, I think that look it wasn't a great loss. You know, they lost by 21 to a, a an unranked Notre Dame who's been a little inconsistent this year but I, I think I think they they backed me up here by how much they dropped and they dropped them six spots now that being said you know that all the teams ahead of them won so that's part of the reason they dropped so far but I, I think they were looking for a reason just because I think the call and, and the college football committee in years past has been self-conscious they know sure. um they know how people are, are are what people are thinking about them so that's just my opinion. It's that, that that's why it's an opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, we'd both be on the committee if, if it was a thing of opinions. <laughs> that's um, right. All right, Coach Tripp, this is this is the last one. Unlike years past where the discussion has always been, you know, has always been, you know, can we get two SEC teams in? I, I think now, and I, I'm backtracking a little bit on what I've said in weeks past, and, and I'm giving Michigan credit right here. Should we be now saying the same about the Big Ten with Michigan and Ohio State? Should we should we maybe having the conversation after Tennessee losing this last week? Hey, you know, I, I know they've got to play each other in the conference championship game more than likely, but should we be talking about getting Ohio State and Michigan in the, in the top four, even though that they've got to play each other? Yeah, that's just such a hard um... – Hard line because let me pull up the schedule because they play each other um, before, you know, they play each other as a regular season game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it could work, I suppose, if if let's say Ohio State won that and then they uh, met in the in the championship game and then Michigan won that. So they each yeah. had a lot, you know, similar to what happened with uh, Georgia and Alabama. Um, it, I, I think, yes. I think they, they would like for that to happen. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't really know, um, you know, for that to occur. So then you'd have those two as one loss teams, um, potentially <laughs> Georgia as 
there's just so much left to play. Yeah, there really is. But I, I definitely think that the committee would like that because um, it's such a rivalry. It's and, and, and people are so I just think uh, the, the question I just the question is, that I, you know, it's it's just should we be having is, is it an overreaction that we should be having that conversation now that like we've had in years past about the SEC? Um, I guess it's not an overreaction. I'm looking at the standings. I don't know if the Big Ten, because it looks like they still have an East and West. They do. They do. And so I don't know that they could meet in the championship. Are they not in the two different ones? Maybe This shows shows in the East, Michigan at number three at 6-0, Ohio State at number two. They are the same one. So I don't see how that would – that you're you're totally right. I didn't even think about that. Now, if they the, go with, with the way someone they couldn't do it this year, they would have had to have already done it. But the way that some of these other conferences have gone where they just take the two best teams regardless yeah. of um, – but I don't know that the Big Ten is doing that. I was first totally, totally thinking they were in two different divisions. They right should there, be because so. you definitely would love to have them have the opportunity to play each other every year yeah. in, the, in the conference game. Yeah. So I guess that kind of nullifies that question right there. So – It'll it'll be difficult to get them both in there because you know one of them's not going to be playing in the conference championship and had a have a have a chance to redeem themselves. So I guess that 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 redeem. But 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 I'll but I'll I'll make up for it right here and say I think you know I, I Michigan's playing a lot better than 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 I've given them credit for and I think that's going to be a, a pretty good game when they meet here soon. Uh, they're they're in Columbus. I think that's going to be a good game. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. Well, let's uh, let me. I'm going to throw out a couple of games for you. You tell me which one um, you you uh, are most looking forward to, and maybe which one you think uh, people uh, that could be sneaky good. All right. So here are the games. You've got number six. Well, this was before these rankings came out, but you got Alabama at Ole Miss. Uh, and I, I want to bring that up for two reasons. One, obviously the relationship between, you know, Kiffin having coached under Saban and stuff. But I thought it was really interesting that um, all this criticism this week came out about Nick Saban in Alabama and Kiffin um, defended him greatly. Mm-hmm. And I think there's obviously a lot of respect there for Saban. How could you not? But I wonder if some of that wasn't trying to um, – uh, appease Saban a little bit so that as to not incur his wrath and, and, and get a beat down because yeah. I know both of those guys, uh, particularly Kiffin loves to play uh, mind games. Um, so it's hard to uh, dispute anything he says about how good Saban is, but interesting on the timing that, that this comes out the week that they're going to play, but he, Kiffin didn't have anything to do with that. That was based off of uh, Alabama losing, but anyway, Bama Ole Miss, uh, undefeated TCU at Texas. I think that one. Uh, and then the last one doesn't sound all that sexy, but I wanted to get your your um, thoughts. And this is the, the the rankings here are not not college football rankings, but seventeen um, North Carolina at Wake Forest. Oh, I mean, those are all great ones right there, Coach Tripp. And you know that SEC West is still up for grabs. You know we don't. I mean, the SEC East is up for grabs. I mean, we we, uh, I mean, if, if Georgia, you know, if Georgia falls, you know, nothing's set in stone yet. You know, Georgia's definitely in the driver's seat there in the East, but that that West that West is up for grabs right there. There's still three teams kind of competing for for that That's one right. spot right there. LSU did themselves a great favor this last week, so that that SEC game is really intriguing to me. But I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm overlooking the SEC this week, and I'm going to roll with the Big Twelve. I'm 
I'm I'm I'm going to be locked into that 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 6:30 game. It's a, it's on ABC primetime. We're going to see what TCU's made of. I think this is their biggest their biggest test because it's on the road. It's at Texas. It's uh, Texas is, is is kind of turned things around. They're playing really well. They're back in the top 25, and we're going to see what TCU is made of this week. So that's that's my game of the week right yeah, there. Yeah, I'm really excited for this game for a couple of reasons, and uh, as you said, um, you know. TCU sitting there undefeated, uh, you know, we've been kind of talking about how they've been overlooked the last couple of weeks. Well, man, now the committee has 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 put them in there. So now how does TCU respond? They're mm-hmm. no longer going in with a chip on their shoulder as the underdog. They're going in now with the target. Yep. And they're going into a very tough place to play. Uh, and so uh, I really want to see how they're going to respond. Uh, I, I'm not a Texas, University of Texas guy, but I'm not really a TCU guy. I mean, but – I would love to see TCU uh, win this just because I'd love to see them go undefeated and, and maybe get a chance at the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really want to see – I think this has the makings. could be a really uh, fantastic game. Uh, we, we talked earlier about B. John Robinson, uh, obviously, you know, Quinn Ewers. So uh, Texas could, could really make a statement um, with a victory over, uh, you know, a top four team. So I think, yeah, I agree with you. That is definitely got to be my game of the week. Um, you know, TCU undefeated at Texas. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, you know, primetime, 630 ABC, the lights are on. It's going to be there in Austin. It, I'm definitely uh, – I'll definitely be tuned to that one, and it, it'll be a fun one. So, I'm, hey, I'm Nick, interested to see what tickets are looking like for that game. Yeah, that may be Just something. down the we road. To, we may need to go see if we can find some. Hey, so uh, real quick, a teaser for next week. Again, things we've had bad luck in the past, but we've got uh, an Angelo State University red shirt freshman, Abel Prince, uh, set to join us next week. Uh, Angelo State's had a fantastic year this year, so we can talk about uh, his experiences um, going from high school to Angelo State, what the season is like, uh, what what his future. Number two looks in like. the nation in Division two right now. Yeah, they're they're really playing fantastic, and and kind of what what the future uh, Angelo State holds for for Abel Prince, a, a terrific young man. So please tune in. You're you're really gonna uh, fall in love with this guy. Very charismatic, uh, great kid. So. Hopefully uh, nothing falls through and we'll have him next week. So, all right, T-Mac, my friend, until next week. uh, Appreciate it. I thought it was a good one and um, see you next week.